Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Split Division podcast. I'll be your host today, Eli Berkovitz. As always, I'm here with Gerbs with the Lions, Max with the Bears, Jared with the Vikings. Nathan couldn't make it today, so I'll be covering the Packers. Uh, I think I'll manage. <laughs> um, but kind of a crazy week, at least for two of our teams heading into the final week of the season. And then there's also, you know, always the drama going out in Minnesota and Detroit, which is always fun to watch from the outside as far as possible, at least as long as you're a Packer fan. But um, first off, just some news, uh, kind of the maybe the biggest news for the division of like today, which would be the Lions cutting safety, J-Ron Curse. So there hasn't really been any explanation behind the move, but Gerbs, maybe you could give a little bit of information about that? Yeah, so this is, again, all speculation. We haven't been able to confirm anything on this end. But um, Curse has been very vocal throughout the season on Twitter about his disdain for the Lions while on the team, you know, tweeting things about, like, man, this team sucks, like, on any of the times he's inactive or he's out. And he did start for, like, a pretty good chunk of the season. He was suspended the first four games while he was on his couch at home watching. He was tweeting about how bad the defense was. And I'm like, man, you are on this defense. <laughs> but, um, you know, so it, it, it was, you know, just one of those things I think the Lions – finally kind of just said enough was enough. He was inactive against the Bucks, and um, he was just his same old self kind of being vocal about, like, his just disdain for the team. And then the day after the game, they cut him. So, or two days after the game or something. So, you know, I think, I don't know if that's the reason they cut him. Who knows? The Lions tend to release kind of veteran guys if they know, you know, it's not going to work out with them long term. I, you know... He wasn't the worst safety on our team, <laughs> but um, I, I, you know, it's not like the season's basically over for Detroit. Uh, it is over for Detroit. Yeah. We got one more game and it's not going to matter. So I, it's, you know, it was big news for some people. I didn't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it might be big, bigger news if he gets signed by a playoff team and potentially contributes, but considering what you just said about him and some of his uh, activity on social media. I don't know how many teams are going to be dying for his services heading into the playoffs. I mean, especially look at the whole Haskins deal that just happened. Yeah. I mean, know yeah. That, you know, now teams are really taking character into, uh, into yeah. consideration with stuff now. So it, it may not be the NFC North, but I mean, were you all as shocked as I was? I mean, I mean, look, is it, I, is it surprising? I guess not, because he's been so bad and also not really good and pretty bad off the field as well. But still, a guy in, in just his second year, after being the 15th overall pick as a quarterback out of Ohio State, for him to get straight up cut in the middle of the season, that's pretty unprecedented, at least yeah. in my head. Well, And uh, then also, like he had like very few character concerns before this year, and then just like the last like two weeks happened, and he was a yeah. whole person so that's where it was really shocking for me yeah I think Ron Rivera just wanted to go in there and clearly set the tone for what kind of culture they want there now after and, everything I mean, that's happened Washington's got to be careful after <laughs> yeah. Dan Snyder and all that yeah crap. Washington has a lot of off the field issues um and somehow they might make the playoffs at what seven and nine which would just be a sham it would be even worse if the Cowboys get in at six and ten 
I still believe that it's ridiculous that they get to go to the playoffs. They get to host a game. I'm sorry, but it's time. If the NFL, you want to add a 17, you want to add a 17th game and you want to be so progressive, which I don't think is as quote unquote progressive, but you want to do that, then do what the NBA does and make this top seeds by record because there's no reason anyone in the NFC East should even be in the playoffs and for sure as hell does not deserve to to host a playoff game. We've seen it happen before. The one uh, uh, example that always comes to mind was back in, I believe, 2010. The Seahawks were 7-9. and nine. They hosted, I think, the 11-5 and five Saints, who were a wild card team, and they beat them in Seattle. You know, Seattle's a tough place to play. The Saints were obviously a better team, but football comes down to one game. It's not other sports where the better team is going to win over seven games. And to give an awful team a playoff game, in my opinion, is just stupid. I know it doesn't relate to the NFC North, but I just, yeah, have strong feelings to how dumb that is. But getting back to the NFC North, um, let's kick it off with what was the first game of the weekend, Christmas Day, a game that Jared will probably love to just get through real quick. Um, holy shit, Alvin Kamara. I mean, what, 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 what was going through your mind watching that happen to your defense? I've never seen a defense that is so bad at tackling in my entire life. Like, if you guys watch that game, I, like, how much, I probably, if I went back and watched that and counted how many missed tackles, honest to God, I'd probably count at least, like, 30 or 40. I'm not kidding. Do you think there'd be more uh, missed tackles or pressures on Kirk Cousins the last two weeks? (laughs) Oh, geez, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's talk about pressures for a second. So the defense... Guess how many pressures they created that entire game? Two. Wow. One. One. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Last time that happened was four years ago that a team only had one pressure in a game. Oh, in um, the whole NFL? Yeah. Holy yep. crap. Yeah, so uh, 2016, last time a team could only create one pressure in an entire game. Um, Alvin Kamara, 22 rushes for 155 yards and six touchdowns, which very easily could have been seven if they just let him run it instead of Taysom Hill. Um, I mean, all around just the defense. I mean, nobody could tackle. Not even Harrison Smith couldn't tackle. Um, And I've never been so annoyed watching a Vikings game. I feel like I say that every week, but it just gets worse and worse as we keep going. and then at the end of the half, I don't know if you guys saw uh, the Vikings take a timeout after killing 15 seconds out the clock. It was like there was like 27 seconds left, yeah, and then I was, I was they, hur- they run that, hurry up. What happened there? The time management. I saw a lot of Mike Zimmer clock management, but I didn't see that part of the game. So what happened? So Mike Zimmer sucks at clock management. <laughs> okay. Um, and so uh, it was the end of the half. Uh, like there was like 27 seconds left. They caught a pass over the middle of the field and they're hurrying up and I'm, yeah, I'm yelling at the TV to take a timeout and they're not. And so they're hurrying it up and they get down and they end up killing like 15 seconds. They're down to 12 seconds and then they take a timeout what? and Kirk cousins oh. is pissed. He is, he's running, to the, walking to the sidelines screaming at Mike Zimmer. Cause he is like, and rightfully so, because I mean, why, if you're going to take a timeout, why don't you take it? And you have the extra 15 seconds, you have 27 seconds to work with, but now you have 12 and you basically have no shot of scoring at this point. Yeah. And like, 
I, I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that locker room going in there at halftime and just see what Kirk Cousins had to say because he was – I've never seen him so angry. And everyone says that the guy doesn't show emotion. He was showing a lot of emotion this weekend, and he was mad at Mike Zimmer. And I, I, I can't blame him because, like, I, like I couldn't – I was yelling. I was, I was so pissed <laughs> off. Um, I'm still mad. Like, I couldn't believe what I just saw, that a team a head coach took 15 seconds off the clock and then decides to take a timeout at the end of the half. Like, it's, he and he's so good at wasting them, and then he doesn't use them when he needs them. And so, like, it'll be, like, halfway through the third quarter, they'll be on defense, and they take a timeout, which it makes sense, I get, if they he sees something he doesn't like. But then use them when it makes sense to use them, too. But you're going to waste 15 seconds off the clock, and then you're going to take a timeout. It doesn't make sense. And yeah, no, I, I, <clears throat> I saw a replay somewhat of that catch, and then kind of the whole confusion. But, yeah, I mean, when you're running that two-minute drill, if you have timeouts, unless your team – I mean, in almost every scenario, when you're under 30 seconds, you got to call timeout immediately unless you're already in field goal range or there's some other circumstance. But, yeah, for a veteran coach who's been in the NFL for, what, 40, 50 years, that is not something you want to see. And I would understand why, even more than the loss, that is something that sticks with you out of just frustration – like this guy's leading our team, and he can't call. He can't clock manage. You know what? That's that's a low key part of coaching. A lot of people don't think about. You know, I mean, even like someone like Andy Reid throughout his career has been criticized a lot for his clock management. It's cost him a lot of potential games in the past, for sure in Philly. So yeah, that's a big deal. Obviously, the game did not end well for the Vikings. Like you said, Alvin Kamara, career day record NFL day could have been even better if it wasn't for. Sean Payton's obsession with Taysom Hill. But, I mean, yeah, Alvin Kamara, whoever had him in fantasy, whoever's listening, congratulations on most likely, almost certainly winning a championship. I know my brother was facing Alvin Kamara in the championship. So about, you know, two hours into his championship weekend, he was already done. It was a bad situation. But, but yeah, so the Vikings lose, are eliminated, Time to look towards the draft. So real quick, Jared, we obviously don't know where you'll pick or all that, but, you know, what, what would be your number one need at the top of your head for this team to target? Um, well, usually you don't go guard. Their number one need, I think, is guard, but you usually don't go that position towards the earlier middle part of the first round. Um, so, like, uh, Quiddy Pay from Michigan is one guy that – could be there for them um, at they're at like 13 right now. Um, otherwise, a defensive tackle they needed a three tech really bad. They have Michael Pierce as a nose tackle, um, so like a defensive line probably would be their first round. Uh, I, how many year? How many years was that deal that you signed them to Pierce? Three. Okay, so he sat out this year, right? And then he'll be he'll so, be back, I guess, for the next two. I three. Well, his it rolls over, so it'll be in the oh. next three. Oh, okay, fine. So you got him yeah. for the next three. Okay, so that covers the Vikings. And then let's jump over to our other losing team real quick in the Lions. Gerbs, this must have been a fun one for you to watch. Oh, uh, what, do you have three quarterbacks playing this game? 
three different quarterbacks playing this game. I don't know how often that happens in the NFL, but I can't say it. it this was basically a preseason game. Like, we had Stafford play for the first half, <laughs> and then we had backup number two play for the, you know, the third quarter, and then backup number three play for the fourth quarter. But, yeah. like, so this is a game, if you I don't even want to get into the whole bias of the COVID situations on teams of, like, Detroit tried to get this game postponed one day because if we played this game on Sunday, we'd have our entire coaching staff. Instead, we had a defensive intern coach as, like, our defensive line coach because there was nobody left on this freaking team to coach this. So, like, you know, we had our quarterback's coach as the head coach, our receiver – or, no, our receiver's coach as the head coach, quarterback's coach as offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator was, like – the film room analyst because we if, no if it wasn't the Lions, like if the Bucks were playing a playoff team, they absolutely if it was Buck Saints and yeah. Sean Payton and the coaching staff was out, that game is getting pushed. Yeah, there's no I mean, they did with the Ravens yeah. earlier too. Like, yeah, but you know, like look at like Ravens and Titans. Like, hey, we broke all your rules. Can we have like three games postponed? Yeah. And they're like, okay. And then like Broncos and Lions are like. Hey, a few of our guys were close contacts. Can we have a postponed game by one day so they could play in the NFL? Is like fuck yeah. you guys. <laughs> but um, so you know, the, right away when we have an interim interim head coach, yeah, you, you <laughs> know you're in have, for a long day. And then we had our interim interim center, and mm-hmm. we had our interim interim quarterback. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this was. <laughs> Because, you know, Ragnow was out again with the fractured throat. He still can't talk, I don't think. And then we had Joe Dahl in there for, like, a little less than half the game. Dahl got hurt. So then we had to put in a guy we elevated from the practice squad, Evan Brown, who I had never even heard of. I literally had to look up who number 62 was when I saw him on the field. And I thought I knew this roster, you know, through and through. And so, you know... Already, it was going to be a rough game. And when Stafford, you know, hurt his ankle, like, pretty early on in the in the game, it was like, oh, this game's over. You know, it's just the moment Stafford gets hurt, there's no coming back. And, you know, but there were, there were just some really bad mistakes all around. You know, DeAndre Swift fumbling after the half and then Tampa Bay coming back. And, yeah, oh, my God, that was just, that was just such... It was such a shootout on one. It was such a one-sided, you know, like just, you know, Tom Brady got to sit out for half the game and Blaine Gabbert got to go in. And we almost allowed two perfect passer ratings in one game because Brady had one and Gabbert almost had one. And it would just be like, I think that would be the first time in NFL history that a team allows two perfect passers in one game. Um, you know, it's just, it's so hard because it's like, I can't be mad at the Lions for losing this one. It, it just, the co- there was no coaching. You know, we, the, the team's down a starter, I think, at every position at this point. You know, whether injury or whatever, but it just, it, it I knew it wasn't going to be pretty. I thought we'd do a little better than our only points on the board being Jamal Agnew for a punt return touchdown. I mean, kudos to him. Most uh, kick and punt returns in the NFL, you know, in the last four years. So, you know, awesome. There you go. Look, as long as he continues to score all your touchdowns, you're probably going to win a ton of games. So. Silver lining. But, yeah, so this this game just uh, – it was it, – it, it hurt to watch, but also, like – 
we knew this was going to happen. The the coaching situation, the moment the NFL denied the you know the appeal to uh, to get this game postponed by a day, it was like eh, this game's done. You know, okay. the the coaches were uh, the funniest joke I saw is so, like uh, our defensive coordinator was saying he was watching it from home, and someone's like, I bet he was saying like those are my plays that would be yeah. you know <laughs> getting torched by the Buccaneers <laughs> right now versus you know the intern that was doing it. But, um, oh my God, yeah, that I'm more frustrated with the NFL for like not even giving the Lions like a chance to kind of we could have had maybe two more touchdowns, <laughs> maybe one, but you know, just if there was better play calling, which I think Bevel and Unlin would have been able to do. But yeah, overall, terrible game, lots of you know, just a, a few injuries to key guys that we want to keep around. And of course, Stafford hurt his ankle, which was like the only thing on his body that had not been injured yet in his career. And so now I think he's done and I am sad. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I kind of agree. I, I can't imagine Stafford back in Detroit at this point, but look, I mean, you knew you were going to lose probably, you know, and also help your draft position. Maybe didn't want to lose that badly, but yeah, getting Once blown Stafford, out on a, on a you know a nationally televised Saturday game may, may, might not be uh, the way I wanted it to go. I'd rather exactly. prefer Sunday at one o'clock when there's other <laughs> games on. Red Zone can just skip that game as a whole. Yeah. But. It made me feel a lot better though. You know, the, the Lions <laughs> they saw the Vikings on Friday and they they're like, wow, they suck. And then <laughs> they went out on Saturday and like, we can do better than that. Yeah, and they yeah. did. Hold my beer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. It was like, you know, the Vikings put up a fight. Like <laughs> the Vikings lost, you know, it was still a, like a, you know, they they were lopsided but a much higher score. But they they scored they scored points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You only lost by like 20 points, not by like, <laughs> You guys lost by 40. <laughs> so yeah, well, I'm happy that the Vikings and Lions standards are at either 20 point losses or 40 point losses. Let's keep it that way for 2021. <laughs> but uh, moving on to the Bears, picking up another win against a really strong opponent in the Jaguars. But uh, Max, it was definitely an impressive performance overall. Uh, so, yeah, what did you see out of that game that maybe gives you confidence in potentially beating the Packers and maybe being a problem in the playoffs? Oh, man, uh, a lot to unpack there. Yeah, starting with, uh, I'll borrow, borrow a line from you. I think you said a couple weeks ago, you can't necessarily choose your opponent but it depends on how badly you beat them and how badly you manhandle them so i i enjoy the fact that not only did we win but we did win pretty handedly yeah. uh it was, it was cool to see um one of my predictions was that the score was going to be like 24 17 and that the jegs were going to get like a last second touchdown in garbage time or whatever so and on that side of the ball i was right like i kind of um had our defense figured out but then our offense, it blew me away that we continued to move the ball, even if it's against the worst team in the league, just considering how bad we were four weeks ago and how we could not move the ball on anybody and uh, and we couldn't pass on anybody and Foles wasn't doing anything. And so just to see some type of offense has just been unbelievable. Um, on the other side of the ball, it's still our defense that's a little bit concerning. I know they our ones, our starters, only technically gave up 10 points, which isn't too bad. However, we still play this bend but not break sort of defense where teams can move the ball on us and then we're just really good in the red zone, which is if we take that mentality into Green Bay or into, I guess, Chicago against Green Bay, 
it like you guys are much better red zone. Obviously, you have Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon looked great last game. Number one red zone team in the NFL. Yeah, continue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Devonte Adams, you got Rogers. So it's um, yeah. It, we we need to pick things up, and it starts with uh, it starts with our pressure. Um, we're not generating anything. We're like Cleo, Cleo Mack. Like obviously, I I went back and watched the games and watched a lot of Glennon's throws and and he's getting the ball up quick so yeah there, there's that but man he's had one sack in the last month I think and and Robert Quinn I think he's had one sack and so we're just not generating generating any pressure at all Pagano's not dialing up any blitzes no stunts it's just three men four man rush um if we're lucky maybe we'll have like a linebacker slip in there but it uh I, I don't know why it, it's like if we're not generating any pressure, let's dial up some. Let's bring in some help. Let's bring in Roquan, who's super fast, and just get him to come down the middle. Or Trevathan, he's great at rushing as well. Or have a some sort of um, corner blitz, you know, like that we've seen in prior years, and we're not seeing that at all. And so that's been really frustrating considering how much talent we have on the defense, yet we... I don't know, and it's tough, tough to complain when they only gave up 10 points, but you just know you need to be better against better competition. Um, yeah, a few things. Roquan Smith, amazing game. Um, and he had 30 snaps in coverage. He had 10 targets within those 30 snaps, 31 yards allowed, a 33.8 pass rating allowed, and two interceptions, like incredible day. Um, still kind of bitter about the Pro, Pro Bowl snub, but we're going for All-Pro. Hopefully he gets the All-Pro. Um just compare, like, our, our defense, talent-wise, is just as good, if not better, than we were in 2018. Yet, in, tw- in 2018, we had 50 sacks. Since 2018, in the last two seasons, we had, we've had 66 sacks. Wow. In 2018, we had 27 interceptions. In 2019 and 2020 combined, we've had 20. And so, and it all start, starts with that pressure. Um, however, I'm going to look on the more positive side of things. Uh, Nagy has been a lot better. Um, I think we've kind of found his role for him. And I don't know. And if you laugh, I have no problem with that. I kind of laughed when I heard this too. But we've heard uh, comparisons to Tomlin, Mike Tomlin. And just that, I don't know, they both haven't had a losing season. Like, obviously, granted, it's been a couple eight and eights, nine and eights, or nine and sevens. And then beyond that, they both don't call plays. And they're just culture guys. And to keep this culture from absolutely imploding, one team since 1970 has made the playoffs after losing six straight, and that was like the 2014 Cat Carolina Panthers. So, unbelievable job to keep the keep the guys um, together, keep their heads in it, and to keep just taking it one game at a time and start building the the lead or the wins back. Um, beyond that, we've had four straight 30 point games. This is the first time Chicago has done that since 1965. Four straight 30 point games. So it just doesn't happen in Chicago. Um, and, uh, beyond that, David Montgomery is looking absolutely amazing. One of my predictions, uh, was that David Montgomery would have a better season than Aaron Jones and got laughed at and rightfully so, but you know, it's close. It's, uh, we, David Montgomery's missing games. Obviously I know Aaron Jones, he, he missed some games as well, but it's about a 60 yard, 60 yard difference. And I totally forgot to look at Aaron Jones touchdowns, but David Montgomery's at eight touchdowns. I know it's probably pretty close there. Um, and then beyond that, our kicker, kicking situation is fantastic. 24 straight uh, made field goals. The first time since 2006 that we've accomplished something like that. And that was with Robbie Gold. So we, we do have a lot of positives. 
Um, it, but going into the Packers week, I guess we'll we'll preview that later on in the episode. But man, we, we need to, to get uh, this just to point out, out Aaron Jones ten touchdowns on the season. Ten touchdowns. So it's close. It's close. It's not as bad as it as it maybe looked. Well, I mean, Montgomery over the last month, you know, or even month, five weeks, whatever it's been, is obviously he probably has doubled his whole first ten weeks of the season just in the last five weeks. Oh yeah, he's well, been like, very good. And in I'm my sure. running back rankings, it's literally like, you know, I have like my own scoring system, but like Montgomery is literally like just a step below Jones. Like if Montgomery gets like one more touchdown and Jones doesn't, like Montgomery will pass him in my rankings. Right. Well, and you know what, Gerbs? Well, why don't you just relax now? <laughs> I want to chime in with one thing real quick. So you're talking about um, lack of pressure and sacks and stuff. I think it's worth mentioning that this past weekend Leonard Floyd had two sacks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's been uh, incredible. He's had he has more sacks than Khalil Mack this year, and, and, and Quinn combined, I think. Yeah, and Quinn combined. Com- Quinn has had two sacks. Both have resulted oh in fumbles, I believe. But regardless, yeah, combined. Like, w- and where's this coming from? It's it's weird. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, weird. it's pretty funny to watch. The only thing I, I could think of when I was watching him on the I watched the get Rams game, obviously. I mean, I'm sure having Aaron Donald in the middle helps, but but still, mm-hmm. I mean, he had Cleo Mack and Akeem Hicks on on that line with him. I don't know if it's a scheme thing, whatever it is, it's hilarious because he's balling out and he's doing better than Quinn and Mack. But like you mentioned with your defense, um, I mean, the 2018 season, Max, was in not not to discredit it, but it was obviously an anomaly of any kind. I mean, sure. 27 interceptions and the amount of sacks that. That just doesn't happen really ever. So it's not surprising that even while they're still talented, the numbers have dropped off. But I know going into this week and just saying, Eddie Jackson, I don't know I don't know after this week, I didn't check, but according to PFF, Eddie Jackson has given up the highest passer rating of any safety in the NFL. Man. Uh, which surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely not had a good season. It's uh, yeah. There's no question um, I don't think I see saw a single Bears fan complain that he didn't get a pro ball nod this year. Yeah. And I have no idea why um, he's fallen off so, so badly. And, and just to go back to touch the other side of the ball um, uh, on the defensive line, like we are missing like two starters and uh, RH and Eddie Goldman, which I don't know is like, like we could have the best defensive line in the league, I think with uh, having Blyle Nichols playing the way he is. And, and so that helps that, definitely um doesn't help when you go when you consider the complimenting of the outside linebackers rushing the the quarterback and and if you don't have a rush any sort of rush it makes it a lot harder for uh the secondary to the to do their jobs but you know what um like Jalen Johnson he's much better cornerback than uh than Prince of Mukamara we who we had the last few seasons we have Tayshawn Gibson who He's had a couple bad games, but overall, I think he's been better than HaHa Clinton Dix. And yet, you you have this better supporting cast in the secondary. Yet you're struggling more. And like, mind you, there's two touchdowns that were wiped off the board that he did have. Um, so he he needs to be credited credited with those in my mind. But um, yeah, I I don't know. And it, it's one of those things where usually, like. Usually the secondary and especially those high safeties, you don't even pay attention to a lot of them unless they're like, I don't know, it's a deep ball of some sort. And you and usually that's kind of where he is. And so you're, it's almost like an offensive line. You don't really hear about them until they have yes, some sir. sort of penalty, right? Um, or, or unless they give up some egregious sack. But 
uh, yeah, Eddie Jackson, you just don't see his name called a lot. And if you don't see his name being called a lot, he's not making plays and he's not making plays. So you don't hear from him much. Um, you, you see guys stranded and you see Kindle Vildor all alone um, against Justin Jefferson and or DJ Chark. And it's like, what, why is that? You know, yeah. and uh, so we're having some scheme issues. Absolutely. Pagano's got to be fired 100 percent. Like there will be an uproar if he makes it into next season. I think uh, a good replacement would be our defensive line coach, Jay Rogers, or perhaps, um, uh, I don't know, I guess Ed Donatel. He would be a good guy as well, but it, that would be contingent on Fangio getting fired. Or else if Fangio gets fired, I'd love to have him back, but that's a long shot, I think, at this point. So I don't know. Uh, we, we need to get it figured out. It's unbelievable that we've come to this point in the season where our offense is the most is the part I'm least concerned about going into Week 17. And our defense is the thing I'm most concerned about. And I, th I think we're going to give up a lot of points to the Packers. But we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, I hope you're right on that. But speaking of the Packers, uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest the biggest game of Week 16, I think, in everyone's estimation, was Sunday Night Football. People were expecting a much better game than they got. I mean, it was a great game for me. But, yeah, 40-14, to 14, Honestly, in my wildest dreams, I don't think I could have imagined this game turning out the way it did. The Packers, just from the start, first thing I want to say, and this stat just blew my mind, the Packers did not commit a single penalty, and they did not punt once the entire game. That is the first time the Packers have ever done that since penalties began being tracked in 1941. We're talking about 80 years. And anyway, I mean, anytime a team goes a game, forget about punting. You go a game without committing a penalty, like I don't know how often that happens. That is very impressive. And then another thing, you got Derrick Henry. He had a streak of 10 straight games of 100-plus yards on the road. He finished with 98. It was close, but streak is still broken. But more importantly, his longest run of the game was 10 yards. And we all know that is not normal for Derrick Henry because with him – Usually once he starts moving downhill, he's just going to drag a guy an extra 10 yards just by himself. So the Packers defense came to play in a way that we have not seen probably the whole year. For sure, I would say this is the most complete performance under Matt LaFleur of either of the last two seasons from start to finish. Offense, defense, special teams did struggle a bit. They missed the extra point. Then they had that blocked kick, but it was offsides, whatever. But overall... The best game I think I've seen out of the Packers in the last two seasons. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, can we all agree he's the MVP? Anyone going to fight me on that? Okay, great. Very likely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't think I need to talk about. He has the stats. He has. It's, the, it's not just the stats. It's the eye test. He's playing at a level that he's done maybe in 2011, 2014. But, I mean, this guy's 37 years old. And if you just turned on the game Sunday night, you'd think he's 25 and in the prime of his career because he's just incredible. Four more touchdowns on Sunday. He has 45 touchdowns and five interceptions on the season, over 70% completion percentage. If he holds those numbers, if Rodgers finishes the season against the Bears, if he does not throw an interception and he keeps that completion percentage above 70%, he will be the first quarterback in NFL history to have a 70-plus percent completion percentage, 45-plus touchdowns, and five or less interceptions, which is insane. I mean, it, that's just not even human. But 
another stat and person we got to talk about, obviously, is Devontae Adams, because if he didn't miss two and a half games, we could be looking at maybe next to Randy Moss in 2007, maybe the best season by a receiver ever. He joined Randy Moss and Chris Carter as the third receiver in NFL history to have 100 receptions and 16 touchdowns in a season. He's played 13 games, actually 12 and a half. So just think about that. I mean, this guy's on pace. Right now he has 17 touchdowns. Um, I think it would be a stretch to say he finishes with 20, but if he finishes, you know, with 18 touchdowns in 13 and a half games, that's just ridiculous. And Um, to make you happy with my wide receiver, like, production rankings, he has outperformed every wide receiver from last season, like, last season. Like, yeah. you know, I have, like, just, like, a random number attached to all of them. But, like, 39.4 was, like, Michael Thomas's, and he was my number one ranked receiver. Adams has passed that. Like, Adams is doing better than any receiver from last season. Yeah, I mean, Devontae so. Adams right now, with missing two and a half games, is the highest scoring fantasy wide receiver by 13 points. I think Mike Clay tweeted, that doesn't happen when you're missing two and a half games. But Devontae Adams is not your average receiver. And we just spoke about Eddie Jackson having a down year. And then you look at the Packers safeties. Um, Number one, Adrian Amos. I'm not even going to get into that, but I think we can all agree that that was quite the signing by the Packers. Uh, I believe he's PFF's number four rated safety on the season. But I'm not going to talk about Amos right now. I'm going to talk about Darnell Savage because we're looking at what looks like to be a star breaking out. Since week 10, Darnell Savage, let me just read this to you. Since week 10, Darnell Savage is, number one, the highest-graded safety in the NFL, according to PFF, with a 90.2 grade. And quarterbacks targeting Darnell Savage since week 10, according to PFF, 3 for 16, 57 yards, 0 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, 6 pass breakups. And, guys, this is the best part. Quarterbacks passer rating when targeting Darnell Savage since week 10 2.3. 2.3. I didn't even know that was possible. Two was it like point one three. completed pass? <laughs> Essentially. I mean, the guy has been an absolute stud. And then you have him paired with Amos. The Packers could be looking at, you know, like the Bills maybe with Poyer and Hyde as, you know, the best safety duo in the NFL as long as Savage keeps this up. And then and then to throw on top, I mean, we talk about Rodgers, talk about Adams, talk about Jones, A.J. Dillon. I mean, look, he looked like Derrick Henry – uh, against Derrick Henry. I don't know if you guys saw the all 22 version of his second touchdown run, but he ran over a defensive tackle like he was a child. I mean, he put that man in the dirt in a way that like, like Derrick Henry threw that guy in the lions in the dirt last week with that stiff arm. But Dylan didn't even need the stiff arm. He just checked him and that guy was down. I mean, it was extremely impressive and going into winter football, Having A.J. Dillon running like that is something that is very exciting as a Packer fan. I don't know what that means for Jamal Williams, uh, but as much as I love Jamal Williams, I think the rest of the season, your one-two punch has to be Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon because that's thunder and lightning in a real way, and you're not going to be able to stop that. But, yeah, overall, I could go on for hours talking about this game, so I won't. It was just amazing. (laughs) And, And also... As an NFL fan, you know, seeing the snow come down, Lambeau Field, just kind of the perfect setting for a great game. 
I'm sorry if it didn't turn out to be kind of a classic, like a lot of people thought, but it'll always be a classic for me. Um, and yeah, the Packers keep at the one seed, but they do not clinch that one seed until they beat the Bears on Sunday. But before we jump into next week previews, uh, Gerbs had a great idea with some uh, New Year's resolutions for our teams as we head into the New Year's. Just by the way, everyone, hope you enjoyed your holidays. Hope you all have a great New Year's coming up. But yeah, look, all four of our teams, good or bad, every team has places they can improve on. So, I mean, I guess we got to start with the Lions because it's such a long list. But <laughs> what's your what's your number one New Year's resolution for this Lions team to try to get out of whatever this dumpster fire of a franchise is right now? It's and I, you know, that's the, <laughs> that's the tough thing. I'm like speechless trying to think of like there's just so many things wrong with this team right now. And my New Year's resolution for the Detroit Lions is that they need to find a way to undo Matt Patricia. You know, like right now the Lions, and I wrote about this in my last article, was that that game, especially right now, this is not an attractive team for general managers, head coaches. Like we need a whole new coaching staff right now. You know, all these guys will be out. We need a new general manager and we have a ton of pending free agents. So the Lions are going to need to be recruiting hard on all aspects and really it's just the new year's resolution is just kind of convincing people that this team is you know worth coming to and trying to you know fix and that's kind of what it is it's it's changing the culture before you can get the defensive guys it's like just making this team it's gonna be a piece of shit spray painted gold (laughs) but you know it's still just trying to get this team to just look pretty enough for, you know, coaching and general manager and, you know, free agents to just come in and say, Hey, this is the team that I can go to and fix. Yeah. And right now it's not <laughs> so, <laughs> right I mean, now, especially after that performance. Oh God. But yeah. yeah. But I mean, right now, obviously that all is going to start with a head coach. And I mean, it was a funny story how, I forgot who, I don't know if it was like the senator or the governor or whatever it was of Detroit sending a letter to the team about Robert Sala. That was our, yeah, that was the the Michigan, that was our state senate. Like state a bunch senate. of them, so, they had, like, it, was a, it was the first time awesome. the Michigan state senate, full bipartisanship, not to get to politics in here, but Democrat, <laughs> Republican, Independent, all got together and said, yeah. we need Sala as our head so, coach. So Gerbs, is that, is that your number one choice if you had one? Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's an actual – and I mean, I just saw a report today that if Salah, whichever job he goes to, at least three 49ers defensive players have said, we will follow you where – you yeah. know, like some of the upcoming free agents wow. were like, we will follow you wherever you go. And I'm like, Detroit, come on, bring <laughs> them all here. Richard, yeah. come on, you know. <laughs> I would hate to see that because I do think Salah will make a terrific head coach. Or the energy he brings – I mean, he he's, just, and he, he's a local guy. He grew up, I mean, like five minutes from the Detroit Lions practice facility. You know, oh, he's he's been that. here his whole life. He went to school. He went to college in Michigan at uh, Northern Michigan. He, I mean, he's just done so much for this state. You know, this is where he grew up. It would be great to have him back. He's a, he's a yeah, hometown look, guy. Know, and I think that's how the Lions will get him because I think the head coach – it's everyone's dream, you know, as if you played football growing up or if you're a coach, you want to like it was your dream to play for your local team. Yeah. <laughs> he has yeah. the chance to be the head coach 
for the team he grew up loving. And I think, I think that's got to be their chance. pitch because you have nothing else to pitch, really. <laughs> hey, yeah, we have Jeff know. Okuda. He's PFF's worst-graded cornerback, but we drafted him second. Come on. No, but, yeah, third. I think— Come on, we drafted third. him third. <laughs> oh, third. My bad, my bad. Um, but, yeah, so the Lions, yeah, you just got to change that culture. And now moving on to the Vikings— Obviously, uh, overall, pretty disappointing season. So what do you want to see moving into next year that could bring you guys back into the playoffs? Uh, well, I talked about the defense earlier, but you also got to remember that um, they're missing Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Daniel Hunter, Michael Pierce, four of their better defenders um, that they'll be getting back next season. So I'm actually going to focus on the offensive side here and give Kirk Cousins an offensive line because that's something that he's never had here. And um, we've seen what he can do when he has protection. Um, he's been running for his life the past three weeks. Um, he's really been running for his life his entire time he's been playing here. Um, he doesn't have – he's never had a good offensive line for the Vikings, and the Vikings never have had a good offensive line in, I, like, years, many years. Um, and so – and the thing is – they have four good players, but Dakota Dozier is so bad that it just makes the offensive line look horrible. Like Riley Reef is having an amazing year, but he's playing next to Dakota Dozier, so he's trying. He's got to compensate for that guy. Um, and uh, Garrett Bradbury's been pretty good this year. Was pretty bad this past week, but who wasn't? Um, and so if he can continue to play at the level that we've seen him play this year, um, that'd be good to see. And then um, another thing, Riley Reef, like we don't know what's going to happen with him at this point because um, they're set to pay him a good chunk of money next year. But they drafted Ezra Cleveland, who's doing okay at right guard, but he's a left tackle. And so what are they going to do with him? Are they going to set him over to left tackle or are they going to keep him at right guard? I'd like to see him go to left tackle. It also depends a lot on what happens in the draft. You know, um, in the first round, there are some offensive tackles who will be definitely be going. And there's some guys like someone like Rashawn Slater who could be available for the Vikings at their pick. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they go in that sense with the draft. Um, and then... Brian O'Neill's a good good tackle. I mean, there's not much else to say about him. But yeah. um, they definitely need at least one guard, maybe two, depending on what they do with Riley Reef and Ezra Cleveland. So um, that's what I would say I'd like to see happen with this team. Yeah. I mean, looking at the Vikings with Cook and now, you know, you have Thielen and you have Jefferson or if Smith looks like he's going to be something, you give Cousins time, it could probably be a pretty dangerous offense. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. They need to attack and target the offensive line. And, yeah, I don't know why they're playing Ezra Cleveland out of position. I, I actually was looking for the Packers to draft him. I know he's been pretty bad, but he's playing out of position. So, at tackle, who knows, he could be a lot better. But now, looking at the Bears and Max, I mean, you'll have your own resolution. But this is something I wanted to ask you earlier when we were talking about the game. You know, I mean, it seems like, I mean, Adam Schefter reported, I'm seeing multiple things about, the Bears in-house are starting to really think that they might consider extending Trubisky. I mean, is that part of your resolution? Is that the opposite of your resolution? Or is it something totally different? 
I mean, I think just the way the season has gone, we're just at a point now since we've committed to actually winning and we've actually started winning. We've taken out a uh, taken out a taking ourselves out of contention of getting one of these lottery quarterbacks at the top of the draft and in Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, we weren't in contention for those anyway. But um, I think. yeah, I, th- I think you have to extend him. And I'm not talking about, like, some people are saying franchise tag. No, not a franchise tag. Some people are saying um, pay him close to franchise tag money. I'm not even saying that. Right now, the highest paid backup in the NFL is Taysom Hill, I believe, at $8 million a year. And so I, I'm I'm saying Mitch Trubisky is probably not going to be a backup if we're going to extend him. And I'm looking for a short one-year extension maybe around the $12 million mark. I don't think any other team is willing to pay him that kind of money to come in and be a backup. Certainly, there's no other team that would want him to come in and be a starter right away. You're not going to invest $20 million to come have him start. And so I think he, he'd be a good bridge QB for us to have, especially while we just have some sort of efficiency going on right now. And that's all we're paying him to do. He's not coming in to win us games and that sort of thing. Is just to keep this offense going and to... Um, do those play action passes and make those work, open up our rushing attack a little bit, make a, make a couple 20 yard passes when you need to. But um, I, I think, I think he's warranted a, a short, small extension. Um, I I'm definitely don't want to, yeah, again, I want to make this very clear. Do not tag him. Do not give him any sort of multi-year extension. It's just because the offense is moving well, we're, we're efficient. And then secondly, I think we're just out of options. I don't. I don't think. Uh, and then, like, I think Cam Newton is really the only free agent sort of QB that's uh, with a significant name coming available next year. Yeah, but he. I don't know, man. After watching him this year, oh, I can't. Yeah, I don't want I'm it. gonna say this, but you I might. Be I mean, Haskins is uh, is available. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if he's not good enough for Washington Washington football team, he's not good enough for the Bears. There's no way. And yeah. and we're 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 so dependent on culture fit and that sort of thing if if you're going to strip clubs during a pandemic uh virginia mccassie's not going to sign off on that we haven't had cheerleaders in like 50 years or something so that's not happening well you know it's just too damn cold here in chicago for cheerleaders but oh and then real quick my resolution i don't think i even really came up for it yeah um i don't know like i i (laughs) (laughs) wow i'm happy you jumped in to tell us that you don't know (laughs) i don't (laughs) Like, like, there's so many. We have so much talent, yet we we do have a few small holes. I think I think I'm just looking at defensive coaching right now. Um, again, Jay Rogers, the defensive line coach, might be a good option to to make into a defensive coordinator. He's done wonders. It doesn't matter who comes and plays on that defensive line, whether it's Mario Edwards or Brent Urban, just a couple no-name guys. You're going to be making plays, and uh, it doesn't matter if our two starting defensive linemen are out. Like. Guys are making plays. Yeah. Blyle Nichols is slowly becoming a star on that defensive line. So um, he's a guy I wouldn't mind seeing. But we, we definitely need to get some defensive management because we have way too much talent being wasted right now. Yeah, so clearly you want Pagano gone, which um, is understandable considering when you look at what they did in 2018 compared to the last two years. And it's funny because, you know, I'm almost in the same spot as you where it's like, what do I want? Like a New Year's resolution for the Packers? I mean... It's a bit harder when your team's 12 and 3, but obviously, you know, there's things they could absolutely improve on. And I don't even know if it's improved. 
It's tough. It's really tough because, you know, you look at the Mike Patton situation, you know, basically the whole year crying for him to basically be fired. The last four, five, six weeks, the defense has really turned it on. And depending on how this season ends, who knows Patton's future. So I don't really want to get into that. So I guess I'm going to look at just the, the front office and their, you know, and Aaron Rodgers and basically them realizing that this isn't close to over. And I don't think I'm being biased. I mean, you have a season like this, you're not dropping off in a year. And I don't think you're dropping off in two years. I mean, Peyton, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, I mean, Peyton Manning, let's say, you know, one of the more famous co- complete fall off a cliff season. But the year before that, or two years before that, he had, you know, the most touchdowns in NFL history. So Rodgers isn't going to overnight. And also Peyton Manning was older. He had neck injuries, obviously way less athletic than Rodgers. I mean, I could go on and on. All, I want, all I'm getting at is don't be dumb. Don't don't sit there and say, you know what, better to move on from Rodgers early than, than see what he can do. Because clearly, as long as he's playing, he's, he is playing at the highest of levels. And Jordan Love... If you wasted a first-round pick, you wasted a first-round pick. Eat it and deal with it. Don't justify it by a couple of years down the line saying goodbye to Aaron Rodgers if he's still playing at an elite level just to make yourself feel better about trading up for a quarterback when just about everybody in the world thought that that was not the move to do. So as a front office, you just continue to build this team around Aaron Rodgers, and that starts with, I mean, they already did it. You know, They extended David Bakhtiari. They extended Kenny Clark. We'll see what happens with Aaron Jones. Unfortunately, with each day that goes on, especially after what A.J. Dillon just did, it's getting harder and harder to imagine him being re-signed by the Packers. He was on Good Morning Football today saying that, you know, he's staying patient. He'll control what he can control. His time will come. You know, all the classic cliches of a guy who can't really talk about his contract negotiations. But uh, one thing I just want to say um and Devontae Adams, I believe, next year will be entering a contract year. I say they wrap him up as soon as they can before the you know, wide receiver market gets more and more expensive. One stat I forgot to mention when I was talking about the game recap, um, we are 16 weeks into the NFL season. Devontae Adams has 17 touchdowns in 12 and a half games. The Carolina Panthers, New York Jets, Washington football team, New York Giants, and the New England Patriots all have less receiving touchdowns than Devontae Adams. As a team, they have less receiving touchdowns than Devontae Adams alone. That is the kind of player he is. I mean, you saw Sunday night. You just throw him the ball near the end zone, he's getting in. And, I mean, I assume you all watched the game real quick. His second touchdown, remember the fade Rodgers threw in the corner of the end zone over the top. I don't know. I thought that was one of the smoothest, cleanest looking passes I've ever seen. Just like a fade route usually isn't that pretty. It was just so good. I had to bring it up again. But yeah, New Year's resolution for the Packers is really just stick to what you're doing. Continue to build around Rodgers and don't get cute and think that you got to move on because you might have made a bad draft pick. But that's obviously a lot to see as the years go on, but moving into next week, obviously the Packers play the Bears. I'm going to make the assumption that the Lions are playing the Vikings. Yes. So both of you being eliminated, um, I don't know. I mean, do you guys 
both want to lose this game for better draft position? Do you want to save some face? Uh, probably out of the Vikings more than the Lions, to be honest, at this point. Uh, Jared, kick us off real quick. What, what's your mindset going into this game, if if you have one? <laughs> I mean, uh, obviously, I'd like to. I I like winning, but a loss won't hurt as much as it usually would. Yeah. Um, honestly, like flip a coin for who's going to win this game because it's going to be a practice squad against a practice squad because <laughs> <laughs> starters aren't playing. Um, the only Viking starter skill starter on offense that I could see playing is Justin Jefferson just because he needs 111 yards to break a rookie the rookie receiving record. But other than that, I mean, uh, they don't really have a choice on defense because they're pretty much already playing a practice squad on defense. Um, I, I Honestly, I can't even give a score prediction because I, <laughs> like, I mean, well, they already said, like, are you assuming that Cousins and I'm Cook assuming because why would you have them play? I agree, yeah. but look, you, we've seen teams do stupider things than play guys when they shouldn't. But yeah, I mean, a score prediction here really could be a coin flip, considering both teams are not really playing for anything. But Gerbs, uh, what are you looking at? Maybe something to carry into next year, some confidence, maybe a specific player you want to see perform well, anything out of the Lions. Yeah. So, I mean, this is I mean, same thing as what Jared just said. The Lions, I mean, but... Unlike them, Lions don't have any starters left to sit. They're all on IR or about to be. So um, we're looking at David Blau in this game, most likely, which he didn't look too great. But, I mean, the Buccaneers defense is one of the best defenses in the NFL. So, you know, having that there, I don't think Blau is going to do great to begin with. I think... I think they'll throw him into this game and just see, you know, he's had a whole season to develop under Stafford and Daniel. And those are, I mean, Daniel's a career backup quarterback. He's he's one of those guys that knows the game in and out, but can't play a damn <laughs> <Yeah>. down of it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I think Blau has had two really great guys to learn under, and I, I'm excited to see that. I, I know we're going to see some more DeAndre Swift. Um, hopefully... Like Galladay's out is going to be out again. I already know this. And then, um, you know, I, I'd hope to see just a little more Quintez Cephas, Jamal Agnew, because I mean, we moved Jamal Agnew from cornerback to wide receiver and running back this year, and he had that punt return for a touchdown that was really like impressive. He's a really fast yeah. guy. Um, he had a fumble earlier this year on a on a run play we ran. And but, you know, still, I think I think it would be cool to really see what he can do. Other than that, we're going to have three backups on the offensive line, most likely. And the defense is a bunch of no names, especially now that there's no curse. I think we're going to see guys like Will Harris and CJ Moore and other guys that you've never heard of before. (laughs) So um, and then at cornerback, we already know there's nobody. I mean, you saw against the Titans last week when. You know, we had a corner wearing number 43 that no one's ever heard of before get shoved into the ground by Derrick Henry. I mean, that was that guy's first ever snap in the NFL, and he got murdered. I mean, (laughs) that's that's who we're playing at corner already. We have no one left to bench. I I think the Vikings will come away with this one. But again, I I really, this is a coin flip, and I bet you could, like, roll some dice for how low-scoring of a game this (laughs) will be. Sean Mannion versus David Blau, I'm here for it. Oh, yeah, I, I'm looking, well, and this is interesting. I was looking like the Vikings offense surprisingly has been consistent with who they've rolled out. You guys have only used four wide receivers all season, like two tight ends. You know, I think it's like 
three or four running backs, and then Cousins is the only one who's thrown the ball. Not even, You haven't even had any, like, running backs or receivers do any kind of trick stuff. Like, you guys are really consistent, so no one really knows what to expect from the Vikings when they start throwing backups in. Because yeah, well, no one like, knows what to expect from the Vikings when they actually try and be creative on offense. Yeah, yeah exactly. that never happens. Um, and so, really, I, I'm looking at maybe, like, a 14 that, like, I think one team is going to get touchdowns and the other one will get field goals, and I'm not sure which one is which. And like, it's going to be like 14 to nine. I well, now you're assuming that Dan Bailey is going to make a field goal. Ooh, that's yeah, that's a big assumption. Yo, oh my god! By the way, that Raiders. I mean, can we all say that if if oh my god, Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes made that throw that Fitzpatrick made, it would be talked about maybe as one of the best throws ever. In my it was opinion, amazing. It is so incredible. Um, hey, a huge that's where the Bears play. should get Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was in I a mean, perfect spot. Yeah, perfect spot. I mean, like, it, right in between the two defenders. Like, I, honestly, it was that was amazing. I it was really. That. I mean, what the Raiders were. Just, I, like, I guess disrespected players in the NFL for how good he is. Like, yeah. he'll always be a backup quarterback. Yeah, and he's better than most starters. <laughs> he's always been my favorite non-Packers player. And when I saw him come into the game, I got really excited. And he actually made me some money, I think, because I had some parlays down, and that helped the way, the way that he led them to the win there. I mean, I get John Gruden's thinking and running the clock down, but when you have a touchdown and you're going to leave the team, even, let's say, 30 seconds, they have to score a touchdown, not kick a field goal, with no timeouts. You think the Dolphins in 30 seconds are going to score a touchdown? I mean, John Gruden completely botched that, but... I'm happy he did because it led to Fitzpatrick or well Fitzmagic as as he should be called. And the Raiders were pressing all of their wide receivers on yeah. that last play too. None I of was it like, I was like, right before the play, I'm like, they're gonna get cooked right here because like yeah, and, and they, the guy let. I mean, he had ten yards of separation on anyone near yeah. him because I mean, it was almost like the Jets on the on the Raiders Hail Mary from a few weeks ago. They it was like that one seemed on purpose. Out. Yeah, and that this was, one was this one seemed like it was on accident. Just yeah, a bad call. It's easy, it's even crazier when you see it in slow motion because his the ball is still in his hand while his head is down yeah. towards the ground. Yeah. Like it's still yeah, in his it hand. It really is incredible. It's yeah. I can't even say enough. Like Fitzpatrick is just awesome. He makes football he is like one of the most fun people to watch. He lays his body on the line. He doesn't care how old he is, he doesn't care if he's hurt. You just see he loves to play and he makes it fun to watch. So yeah, love you, Fitzpatrick. But let's let's get to the big game of the week for in our division and one of the bigger games of the whole, you know, NFL for week seventeen. Packers Bears, Bears playoff life on the line, assuming the Cardinals can beat a Jared Goffless Rams. Uh well, we shouldn't assume that because Kyler Murray might not play. But let's leave that game on the side. Bears playoffs uh on the line, Packers number one seed on the line. Max, how are you feeling going into this game? What are you looking out for? Um, not feeling great. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, it's one of those like games where it's like a divisional game and anything can happen. And but I think just the the odds of us pulling off a win here are a lot slimmer than the Packers just rolling over us. And um, two different teams, uh, different expectations, different talent, and and our talent isn't showing up on a week-to-week basis and so um if, if both sides come together and this is what i've said on twitter if both sides come together if our offense shows up and 
and Trubisky just doesn't make dumb mistakes, which he's given. Like you, you have to give him two mistakes a game, like <laughs> two almost interceptions or interceptions. That a game. throw um, that interception. Oh my was god, so that was unbelievable, wasn't it? It is <laughs> unbelievable. I was laughing so because it's just I don't that know was how awful. you see, first down, like, first down, and just, you're going to force it, was, it to a crowd of. Everybody. One of the most egregiously bad decisions I've seen a Bear quarterback make since Jay Cutler did everything he did for your team, which is bad yeah. decisions. <laughs> that throw was, I mean, if I was a Bears fan, I, I would have probably just thrown up on the spot. I don't know what he saw, what he was thinking, just awful. Um, yeah. He, yeah. he just tossed it up there, threw up a prayer. For, it was first down, and yeah, you have you have, you have second and third to, to continue to get your first down. Like it, it makes no sense, but so we can expect one of those, if not two, um, <laughs> definitely during this game. I I would bet money if there was a prop bet for dumb mistake, I would <laughs> bet all my money. Um, beyond that, uh, Bill Lazor just needs to play to Trubisky's strengths, which is what we've kind of been doing. A lot of play actions, a lot of bootlegs, a lot of rolling out of the pocket and making throws on the run. That's what Trubisky's good at. Uh, Trubisky needs to use his legs a lot, like a lot, because our offense is so much more threatening with that attack. And it open, and opens up our play action a lot more because it gets those linebackers following Trubisky rather than Montgomery. Um, so he needs to start using his legs early. We need to open up the deep ball um, early as well. That's one thing that I didn't really speak about, but Trubisky has been throwing the deep ball a lot better. And, and, um, and we just been attempting it a lot more, which is uh, um, something that I've been calling on for weeks. We need to, we need to get the deep ball going, just get a couple plays going and that's going to open up the offense. David Montgomery, I expect to do well. Um, I assume the Packers may do something similar that they did the Titans, maybe five down linemen and uh, focus on that run a little bit more. We've been, uh, I, yeah, in the last, since we, I think since week 10, I saw a graphic, but um, Aaron Jones and David Montgomery have been both averaging 108 and a half yards a game and Derrick Henry being the only running back to average more. And so, yeah, he, he's the, he's the main weapon in our offense, our offensive line. They need to show up that, like it's going to be largely pre- predicated around them as well, just to get our offense moving. And lastly, our defense just needs to, if they can just find a little bit of, weeks one to 10 within them and pull out, pull it out for one game. This is the game to do it for. So it's a, it's a big ask. And when essentially the Packers just pull off wins, no matter what, no matter if they're playing well or if they're not they they, they tend to blow past teams. So um, score prediction. Uh, it's so hard because we're, we're in such a volatile state right now, but I'm going to assume that we're going to give up, Let's go with 27 points for the Packers, and we'll go with we'll go with 17 points for the Bears. Well, Max, I appreciate your your honesty and your non-biased uh, opinion because look, you know, with your playoff life on the line, you you know wanna just say you're gonna win. And look, like you said, divisional games, there's no givens, and every this goes across the whole league. But when you're talking about the oldest and biggest rivalry in NFL and maybe in sports. We we all know this game could go anyway. I'm not I'm not getting ahead of myself and by any fashion and saying that the Packers should roll over the Bears because whether the Bears are good or bad, whether the Lions are good or bad, the Vikings are good or bad, there's rarely blowouts when the NFC North plays each other. So yes, I do obviously expect the Packers to win. I 
really freaking hope so because getting that one seed, I mean, getting the bye and more importantly, having the playoffs go through Lambeau. When you look at the rest of the NFC, the Saints, Dome team, the Rams, Dome team, Cardinals, Dome team, the Seahawks really are probably the only team close to equipped to playing in that weather. And they came into Green Bay last year and they lost in the playoffs. Um, obviously, I mean, the NFC East, I'm not going to discuss. Um, so winning is, and you know what? A part of me is almost happy the Seahawks beat the Rams because I didn't want there to be any any reason why the Packers would either number one bench guys because I just don't like that philosophy. I think you come off in the first game of the playoffs and you're, and you're shaking off rust for the first half of the game. And then also, if they played guys against the Bears after clinching, if something happened to a player in what was technically a meaningless game, that would be very difficult to watch. So I'm happy that the Packers know they got to win this game to get that one seed. And they're going to go and they're going to give it their all. And looking at the Bears, like you said, this defense, it has talent. But if you're not going to pressure Aaron Rodgers, like you saw the Titans, couldn't pressure him at all, you're going to get diced up. And he had one sack on Mike Glennon. Yeah. I mean, this is the Bears defense. I don't know what's happening with Khalil Mack, with Robert Quinn. They're not getting, they're not being effective, but whatever it is, let's keep that up for at least one more week. And just as long as Rodgers has time, and I think they, they, I always say this, but you start by feeding the run game, both Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon now looking like someone you can trust. Um, and that's going to set up the pass and set up the play action and just control the game. Because if, when the Packers come out a little bit too pass heavy, I feel like that's when they get a little bit ahead of themselves, a little bit disorganized. I want them to base it on the run, go to the pass, and and plain and simple, yeah, look, I am expecting a win. I still think it'll be pretty close. <clears throat> I'll go I'll go I'll go thirty to twenty three Packers. Um, I think it's to be a good game. It could really go either way. Uh, but the Packers, after what they just did to the Titans, it's really hard to imagine them losing right now. They're riding very high. So are the Bears. But like you said, different teams, different talents. And when you have Aaron Rodgers on one team and not the other, that might just be the deciding factor. But yeah, so I'll take the Packers there. And then um, any closing thoughts before we head out going in? To the new year, I mean, guys, yeah, our next episode will be in 2021. And I will say that it has been awesome doing this for this season. And we ain't done. So everyone who's been tuning in every week, we really appreciate it. Uh, before we head out, make sure to give the show a follow on Twitter at SplitDivPod. You can follow Jared at JaredBarsNFL. You can follow Max at MaxMarkumNFL. You can follow Gerbs at Max Gerbs. You can follow myself at Book of Eli underscore NFL. And then Nathan, who wasn't with us today, but you can find him at Nathan Marzion. Once again, thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next week in the playoffs. Well, not the Lions and Vikings and hopefully not the Bears, but I'll see you in the playoffs. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye.